Elrod, happy Memorial Day weekend. Same to you, Doug. I'm very excited about the weekend. I love Memorial Day. I am too, and I'm really happy to not be traveling. Me too. I'm happy to stay in town, which is a good thing for right now because I feel like I've been on the road nonstop. Uh, yeah, D.C. during Memorial Day weekend, actually, I think it's a very pleasant place. Not a lot of traffic. A lot of people have left. You know, you can go to a lot of places you probably can't go to when everyone's here. So, right. Um, and today on the Electables, uh, it's just me and Elrod. No special guests. No special guests. We're just going to kick it on uh, the whole race. Good look at a, handful, a bunch of different angles of the race and talk about, um, you know, how we see this, uh, how we see the current contest. And so let's just kick it off right now. Adrian, you know, this campaign has been going on for five and a half months and uh, we're heading into June we're heading into the first debates. Where mm-hmm. do you see the contest right now? Well, I think what we're seeing is the sort of the top of the field is gelling. And I don't know how much that's going to change. Yes, it's early. Yes, we have not even had the first debate. Yes, I think you will see Democratic primary voters flirt with different candidates. But we are seeing folks like Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, Mayor Pete, um, to an extent, Cory Booker. We're kind of seeing... Who is going to be the field of contenders? Elizabeth Warren, who's going to be the field of contenders moving forward? Where is this race going to go? Because here's the bottom line. If you are polling at about 1% right now, I just don't see you becoming the nominee of the Democratic Party for the presidential race. Um, if you are polling at 3 or 4%, which a handful of these folks are, Amy Klobuchar, for example, um, you're still in the race. You're still you're still fighting it out. But, and, you know, Steve Bullock just got in. That could change. Mayor de Blasio just got in. That definitely won't change because there's a new poll that came out, the cute Quinnipiac poll that shows that his negatives are in the gutter, <laughs> even among New Yorkers, which is kind of shocking, and among people nationally, too. So I found that to be very fascinating. Is it really 8% to 45%? Yes. Wow. Now, that's one poll, but that is not a surprise. Wow. Yeah, no, you're right. This is a it's a Q poll that came out in the last couple of days. It's really interesting because I think the, the it shows that Biden right now has the um, only person in positive territory on the favorable rank, rankings. Yeah. So, you know, look, the debates are going to tell us a lot. But at the same time, I don't see the field change. I, I don't see somebody who is I don't see Andrew Yang rising to eight or nine percent. I don't see Mayor Pete slipping to one percent. So I think the top tier of the field right now is kind of gelling. Right. No, I would agree with that. I would also say that I think Democratic voters are still window shopping. They're also, particularly among the, the second tier, if you if you put Biden and Sanders in the top tier and then the second tier of candidates, I, I think Democratic voters are still very uh, uh, open and interested in learning about all of these candidates. I think they're excited about the crop of candidates who are running for president. There doesn't seem to be uh, anyone out there that isn't running that they are clamoring for to run. There's a lot of enthusiasm around this contest and a lot of interest. I also think that if you're not on the debate stage in June, your campaign is basically finished. Correct. I mean, I, I hate to one... make say say something so definitive like that, but I just if you're not if you don't qualify, if you've been in this race and you don't qualify, or you get bumped out because you're on the you know the lower end of qualifying for the debates, 
I don't see a way you can keep your race, your campaign going. I think the going. only exception is Steve Bullock because he got in late. The reason why he got in late is not a de Blasio reason. It is because he waited until the Montana legislative session that he presides over because he's the governor of Montana concluded. They're in session once every two years for 60 days. So to me, that was a legitimate reason to get in when he got in. And I think as long as he is framing his message along those lines, not sounding like a whiny candidate like Seth Moulton is, you know, throwing the DNC under the bus and talking about how unfair the rules are when he could have gotten in in February if he wanted to to start raising money. He got in too late, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I think that you that Steve Bullock is the one exception to that rule. Yeah, but if I mean, he doesn't look, qualify for that second debate. He's out. Yeah, and Biden got in late too, and he obviously had he has advantages over everyone else in terms of name ID that. Um, some of these candidates don't have. Um, but yeah, look, Bullock, I mean, and, you know, the Bullock could qualify with one of these polls by getting 1%. He doesn't need to get the, he doesn't need to get the 60,000 threshold, right? You can do. Well, the problem is, I think right now, unofficially, based on who you are following in the media, that because the DNC is intentionally not commenting on who qualifies at this point, but unofficially, over 20 people have now qualified which means there will be a tiebreaker threshold, which means that just because you raised 65,000, money from 65,000 unique donors in 20 states and you met 1% in three national polls, doesn't mean that you're automatically in. They're gonna start looking at different ways to break that tie, which includes a mix of, you know, like performance in polls and how much more above that 65,000 you, you, you raised. But for the folks who qualify based off of the polling, polling criteria and the donation criteria, they're basically in. Mm-hmm. And then there are people who've qualified, they've met the polling qualification, but they haven't met the donation qualification and vice versa. And, that's, and those are the folks who could be on the bubble. Correct? correct? That's correct. 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 The other thing I think about the race is that there's still a lot of room for many of these candidates to to grow. And, you know, the, the, a lot of voters don't know who uh, Pete Buttigieg is uh, or Kamala Harris, names that we, you know, obviously we, we take it for granted. We think that everyone knows who they are, but a lot of people don't know who these candidates are. And so they have a lot of room to grow their name ID and um, taking advantage of moments on the trail, whether that's a debate, which is probably going to be the the biggest TV moment that we've had so far, um, appearances uh, on- Understatement. Right. I mean, we are expecting more people to tune into this first debate, I think, than some of the general election debates that we had in 2016. Yeah. I, th- I think it's going to be it's going to be a huge TV spectacle, and that's why it's so important that you, you have to be on the stage. Uh, but other, you know, the Rachel, Rachel Maddow uh, g- going on that show, Morning Joe- uh, you know, there there are definitely moment, there are definitely opportunities for you to really carve out an, um, a lane for yourself and and create a moment. We've seen that happen with uh, part- particularly Mayor Pete, um, but that's how because none of these folks are going to be advertising anytime soon. So they've got to look at uh, free media and earned media as a way to build their uh, name ID so that they can rise in the polls. By the way, I know we're, I'm going to sort of jump around from our agenda here because I think we had the Fox News um, town halls later in the on our little unofficial agenda. Um, but since we are talking about debates, I think it's, this is a proper time to bring it up. I think 
it is to their to a candidate's detriment to not do a Fox News town hall. Um, I respect the DNC's decision to not do a Fox News debate. I know you may feel differently than I do because we don't trust the information. We don't trust, you know, how they're going to conduct this. Are they trying to intentionally target certain candidates? Um, you know, the history that Fox News has, um, or not even the history, the ongoing strong friendship, I should say, <laughs> with the White House, um, I think is a safe reason to not have debates on Fox News. However, that doesn't mean that individual candidates shouldn't go out there. We knew, we saw in 2016 on Hillary's campaign that at least 20% of Fox viewers were Democrats, registered Democrats. I'm not sure how many of those actually voted in the general election for Hillary Clinton for a Democrat, but this is one out of five people who are watching Fox are registered Democrats. We also know a lot of independents watch Fox News. Um, I don't know why, but they do. So why would you alienate that audience? And furthermore, we also learned watching Bernie Sanders at his town hall on Fox, and most recently Mayor Pete on Sunday night with his town hall on Fox. I mean, the reception of the audience was really strong. A lot of these folks who voted for Trump in 2016, and of course, you know, the, the big swing voter this time will be the Obama-Trump voter. But a lot of those um, men and women in the audience were Obama-Trump voters, and they were very receptive to hearing what the candidates had to say. So I don't know why in this current era when you are having a difficult time raising money because there are so many candidates running, why you would give up two hours of earned media coverage on primetime television because it's on Fox News and you think out of principle it's not the right thing to do. Each of these candidates are scratching and clawing every day to break through. It's uh, while there are more ways to break through in the media today than there were 15, 20 years ago, we also know that the cycle is such that it is hard to still break through. You're competing with everything going on in Washington, and you're also competing with 20-plus people that are running against you for the for the nomination. You're scratching and clawing and trying to find any way to break through. We've seen Elizabeth Warren uh, really focus on policies and putting out uh, uh, popular uh uh, progressive policies as a way to break through. And I think she has to some degree. But this is, to your point, Adrian, this is a this this is a venue where you're going to have millions of eyeballs watching you for two hours and you don't have to share the stage with 19 other people. It's just you. And I I completely agree. I think it's Look, I think as a campaign, you do your due diligence in terms of making sure that, you know, that the moderator of the panel is someone who is in their news division, not an opinion person. There are exactly. a number of people on Fox who I would trust to moderate a Democratic de de debate. Chris Wallace, in particular, I think would is strong. I think someone like a Shepard Smith, uh, Brett Baer. Um, so there are people that I think Dana Perino. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I guess so. I mean. I, as I'm, a, I'm a huge – I used to do her show a lot. I'm a huge Dana Perino fan. So there are people that I think as long as as long as long you negotiate the format and the panel, if there is a panel and the moderator, I think you do it. And I don't even think – I don't even think it should be up to – I don't even see the debate. I, I respectfully completely disagree with Elizabeth Warren on this. Uh, I think Democrats have to go – Everywhere. I sort of equate it to your ex-boyfriend and wanting to get back with you because you are 
able to negotiate on your own terms. You go in there and you say, here's what's going to have to change or here's what's going to have to take place moving forward in order for this to happen. And you get to lay out your own terms because Fox News wants these debates. It's good for their viewership. It's good for their brand. They can go to advertisers and say, hey, we are bipartisan. Look, we've had, you know, five Democrats running for president so far come on our network and do a town hall. You know, we're not just a Republican, you know, MAGA Trump network. Um, so they want it too. So you can go in there and say, okay, I want this in, you know, maybe a target area where you're targeting delegates. I want this in Waterloo, Iowa. I want 500 people in the room. I want to handpick 300 of those people, or I want 300 of those people to be, um, you know, not necessarily your supporters, but you want to have a say in terms of who you're, you know, who's in the audience. Um, and I want to most importantly make sure that we're covering the topics that I want to talk about and that I pick the host or, you know, yeah. two or, or three you, people. Yeah, I, I think that's and you right. you can negotiate with Absolutely. networks on that. You've done it many times. I've done it many times. It's Absolutely. part of the deal. It's part of the deal. Um, I do think, and I and I do think the DNC did make a mistake in in not in in, in um, turning down Fox as a broadcast partner for one of their debates. I, I just again, I, it sort of goes back to my uh, default position, which is I think Democrats, and that includes the committee, uh, need to go everywhere and they need to speak to everyone. And um, you know, look, like you can look at it one way, which is, I think, the way the DNC and I respect their decision. I disagree with it. Uh, and Elizabeth Warren, which is, well, this is just providing credibility to the Fox network or um, it is pumping up their profits. That's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is let's use them. Let's use Fox, you know, Fox News uh, as, a, as another venue to communicate our vision for America to people who um, you know, I think, uh, yes, the majority of the audience is fully on board the Trump train. But as you said, there is a portion of the audience that's available to Democrats. So let's use that. Let's use that free media. Let's use that free time. And let's use that to our advantage. Well, I, I don't disagree with you on the the premise that you're laying out. But the reason why the DNC chose not to allow Fox News to host an officially sanctioned debate is because Fox News has habitually, you know, shifted the narrative based on whatever the Trump administration wants them to do. And I think the concern here going into this was that it was not going to be on a fair and equal playing field um, that the Trump administration or the Trump campaign um, I'm not sure if there's much of a line between those two, um, was going to be feeding them the questions that they wanted candidates to be asked. And I think there was too much risk given everything that's at stake. But sure, let candidates go on, have their own town halls, have their own, you know, but Tom Perez, to Tom, have communications with the voters. Tom Perez is a tough guy, former Secretary Very. of Labor. He could have negotiated Great with... DNC chair. Could have negotiated with uh, Fox for the right anchor or right, right moderator if they did panelists. I think he could have... Uh, protected our candidates in terms of making sure that you didn't have, you know, bullshit questions that were being planted by the Trump you know, administration. He, the, the DNC, as you know very well, Doug, because you used to work at the DNC during the 2006 cycle, you cannot have any say in terms of what the questions are that are asked. Absolutely. There's that fine line. And so but I you can't have was, say about the, ma- the moderator. Correct. And I think there was too much concern and too much risk on, on, um, on the DNC's part and look, if something went wrong, it would be on the DNC. 
you know? I mean, the campaigns would be... Anyway, yeah. we should move on. We we'll move on. Time, Agree to disagree. We've got more to talk about. Um, so, uh, impeachment. Yeah. The I word, as President Trump says, is uh, obviously a big topic of discussion right now in Washington. Um, and uh, it's been a big topic for quite some time. And I think it would be interesting to have a discussion on how... Uh, how we think impeachment impacts the 2020 contest. So mm-hmm. um, let me, I'll start. I'll just, uh, I think that the way, if impeachment occurs, if there is a, if they, if Democrats decide to impeach the president, I think that whoever is in the lead at that time uh, benefits. So if you're, let's say Joe Biden, I think you benefit because in many, I think in some ways, particularly nationally, it sort of freezes the race because so much media attention will be devoted to these impeachment hearings. And so much of what people are going to be talking about uh, will be impeachment. And so kind of like when the Olympics happen uh, during the general election, oftentimes that two-week period it sort of, it oftentimes freezes the presidential race because uh, so many eyeballs are paying attention to the Olympics and less about what's going on in the general election. So I think if you're a Joe Biden or a Bernie Sanders, it it's probably helpful to you in terms of winning the nomination because I think it freezes things. Um, and for the other candidates, it's going to make it harder for them to break through. Yeah, I think that's a smart rationale. Um, I'm going to focus a little bit more of my commentary on how I think candidates should be handling the big I question, the impeachment question. <laughs> um, because, look, besides Eric Swalwell and Seth Moulton, who are two candidates running who are current members of Congress, not in the Senate, but members of Congress, everybody else's feelings on this are inconsequential to the actual outcome because they are not the ones making decisions. Now, you may say, the viewers may say, well, wait, we've got, do we have five or six senators running? I should know this. Six, right? Uh, f- five. Five, okay, sorry. Um, besides the five senators who are running at this point, they, and they will have some sort of say if impeachment is actually passed in the House and goes over to the Senate, but they're still not going to be the ones who are deliberating because we don't think that Mitch McConnell will actually allow debate over impeachment to take place on the on the Senate floor. So all that being said, candidates are in a great situation to be able to say, look, I trust my, um, you know, the leaders of Congress. I trust Nancy Pelosi, first and foremost, and her deputies who are chairs of the oversight committees to make the right decisions and to hold this president accountable and to conduct the right investigations. But I am focused on the issues that matter to working families, lowering health care costs, addressing the issue of high prescription drug costs, you know, raising wages, creating better jobs, whatever themes and issues people are running on, that is what they can address on the campaign trail. I would move off of impeachment as quickly as possible because this is what Trump wants. He wants to be impeached. He wants impeachment to dominate the news cycle because it takes away from all of his other problems, i.e. children being separated from their families at the border, i.e. the fact that Trump has done nothing legislatively except get a tax bill passed that benefits the wealthy at the expense of the middle class families. So he wants impeachment to drive the news. He's a he's a he's a victim. He plays the victim card more than I think any politician we've ever seen. 
and he's constantly talking about grievances. His whole press conference, and you and I don't like to spend a lot of time talking about him, but I just got to bring up, I mean, his whole press conference yesterday, I think, was a huge gift to Democrats, both in the House and the Senate, and also on the campaign trail, because we're able to, Democrats are able to now pin dysfunction in Washington and also the fact that nothing is getting done uh, on the president, because he has essentially put up a out for summer sign on the White House and (laughs) has decided not to do any work. Now, we know that the House actually is passing legislation. They've passed the Equality Act. They've reauthorized the Violence Against Women Act. They've done uh, legislation on prescription drugs, on health care, uh, on guns. So there's a bunch of there's a bunch of legislation that's passed out of the Democratic controlled House that is now sitting in the Senate. And this is a topic for another show. But I don't know what the fuck is going on in the Senate right now. I mean, what are they doing? So anyway, I think the Demo- I think. Trump gave Democrats a big uh, gift yesterday with uh, sort of walking away from his responsibilities as a president. Democrats really need to take that, take advantage of that. Uh, but I agree. I think that if you're a candidate on, you know, you're, if you're on the trail, time is precious, right? Money and time is super precious to these people running for president. And they have to figure out how they make the most of their time when they're on the stump, when they're at town halls, when they're at cafes. And are they going to spend a whole lot of time talking about impeachment or are they going to spend a lot of time talking about their education plan or their climate plan or their plan to create jobs yep exactly so doug i know we don't have much time left but we talked about a fun little activity that we we wanted to do which is where we name a candidate running once one of us does and then the other person says the first word that comes to the top of their head when we name this candidate so i'm going to start michael bennett colorado (laughs) Oh, uh, Elizabeth Warren. Smart policies. Two words. Smart That's policies. fine. Two's fine. Uh, Tim Ryan. Tough. Wow. That's a nice compliment. Yeah. Um, oh. Oh, it's my turn. Yeah. Kamala Harris. Smart. Marianne Williamson. Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) Or Guru. Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Great messenger. Steve Bullock. Frontier. I like that. That makes sense. Bernie Sanders. Progressive. Hmm. Oh, it's my turn. Sorry. <laughs> Amy Klobuchar. Moderate. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand. Do we do? No, Gillibrand. I hate to say this word because I really like her in many respects, but I feel like she's pandering. And she's hmm. been pandering for the last few months. Seth Moulton. Military. Andrew Yang. Surprisingly catching on in a weird way. That was literally like seven words. But, you know, he had this rally, and I think it was somewhere in Silicon Valley recently, and they had like several thousand people there. He, I mean, look, I think that he's, 
his campaign, he and his campaign are have are up to something. They've got they have they have identified, um, you know, some strategy here that is uh, working for him, and uh, he still remains highly unknown to to most voters. But he has met the criteria for he is he's met both the polling yeah, and the in. donation criteria, and he he's doing really well in terms of the donations. I mean, he he raised. If you look at what he raised in the first quarter, he was it wasn't embarrassing. I mean, he did a I forget exactly what the number was, but he did pretty good. That's great. Oh, uh, your turn. Okay, let's do two more. Joe Biden. Scranton. John Delaney. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that's our word association. That's our little mini focus group for uh, what this happens a lot in focus groups, and so we wanted to do it on the show. Um, but uh, this has been a fun episode. I really like kicking or kicking the various issues around, and um, we should probably do this more often. It's kind of fun. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it again. So for Adrian Elrod, I'm Doug Thornell. We uh, hope you all have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend and we'll catch you next time. Thanks guys. Mm-hmm.